and welcome to Play on K, the Korean drama podcast with Emily and Raquel. And this is the show where we watch a K-drama, now two episodes at a time, and we get together here every week to talk about it. Yeah, this week we watched episodes seven and eight of Crash Landing on You. Yeah! Can you hear that honking? Yeah, what is that? Just so... A car? The people in our neighborhood have started this fun new quarantine activity. <gasps> it's getting uh, louder. Yeah, it's a whole parade. It sounds like there's a cop car with them because I just heard some little... <laughs> Essentially what they do is uh, if someone in the neighborhood has had a birthday or if someone in the neighborhood has had a bad day <laughs> or if someone in the neighborhood comes home from their Mormon mission. I'm in Utah, y'all. They get everyone in the whole neighborhood. Uh, in Utah, they kind of go by wards, like the people who all go to the same church. And uh, they do these little car parades where they honk at each other and wave. And it's something. <laughs> and it's happening right now. Someone had a birthday. In this neighborhood, probably the twins that live up the street, the twin kids. It seems delightful in principle. I understand mm -hmm. how that sounds joyous, mm -hmm. but I can see how maybe like after one time it might get tiring. Mm hmm. Because there's a lot of people in the neighborhood, you know? There's, I mean, if we're looking for it, there's a birthday every day. <laughs> You take a whole church of people and you split them up by birthdays and sad days and special days. You could be parading every day. Yep. Which they do. <laughs> every day of quarantine has been a parade. Um, we will try and move past it. <laughs> yeah, um, we'll just start the podcast and if you hear the car parade, you hear the car parade and that's just how it is. Sorry. Um, how thick do you think Seiri's plot armor is? I mean, I think it's really, really, really thick right now, which is literally the only reason I'm not stressed out by the ending of episode eight. That said, so we were eight episodes in, and it feels like it's been an eternity, so there was a moment where I was like, oh, and that's it. That's the drama. She's dead now. She's dead now. That's the end of the show. But she's got plot armor as a main character, so probably she's not dead, but what's happening? I don't know. I was over the moon to hear how warmly Jianhyuk was speaking with her when she called as well, and so that's where it got me. See, I wasn't emotional because I think that she's dead. You know, I'm mostly just emotional because he thinks she's dead. I get that. It feels like he finally realized how in love with her he is, and it's hard that that happened just before he thinks she died. And he's so desperately trying to get her back. Or at least get to say goodbye, because I think they've both definitely come to terms with the fact that they have to leave each other someday. Or at least they're really good at bringing it up constantly and breaking my heart. <laughs> but boy, howdy, do I... Did, did he want to say goodbye so bad? So bad. And it was sure was a hard moment to listen to him begging her to say where she was and... Oh, running through the woods. And this poor young man has been through so much already. He is, like, broken. He's been shot. He's been beat up. He beat some people up after, you know, being shot. And then he caught a f 
fever. He's very sick, very sickly. Yeah, he was walking through the wilderness in the cold, so he got pretty sick. Um, I think I'm starting to think that everyone's right, and she's gonna get him killed super soon. <laughs> Way more worried about that than her getting killed. But, I don't know, we keep coming- I swear they've mentioned one more time, maybe it was these two episodes, maybe it was the prior two, but I swear they mentioned Romeo and Juliet another time, and I was like, please stop talking about them, please don't say their names anymore. Please stop. I- that's what I'm most concerned about. I will be much more worried about both of them in the last two episodes, is when I'm gonna get really, <laughs> really, really messed up, I think. Is that- that's when the ugly sobs are just gonna burst forth from my chest like a freaking face hugger. Um... <laughs> Chestburstered? Are those two different things? Have you watched any of the movies in the Alien franchise? No. Uh, they are I, something. I have a point of reference now that you said that, but I had no <laughs> idea what was happening before, I'm not gonna lie. Yeah. Alien references, Sigourney Weaver, what a movie. <laughs> what a lady. So, anyway. She's probably not dead yet. Mm-mm. But I'm still nervous. I still don't like watching what's happening. Yeah, now it's just a matter of, like, who kidnapped her, you know? Mm-hmm. My Netflix did a super fun thing where after episode seven, it started playing episode nine. It was like, hey, so I see you enjoyed episode seven, but it may have left you a little bit tense at the end there. Kind of a cliffhanger. So let's just skip the resolution to that conflict and go straight into someone pointing a gun at Seri's face. So I turned it off pretty quickly because I had no idea what was happening. Found out it was episode nine that I was watching. That's fun, Netflix. So we're going to get some backstory. I know that. <laughs> this is um, this is great. This is a fun thing Netflix is doing now because then you get a little bit of all of the plot just peppered in. <laughs> at random. Just, who needs storyline told in chronological order? Why don't we just jump around here and there and get some tension? Let's get things tense. Let's get things super tense. Um, let's see. Episode 7, did that one end with her standing on the porch crying, or, she, or had she already gone after him into the dark, cold night, stealing a car? Episode 7 is the one that ends with Seiri... Nope, sorry. Dan. Dan confronting Rijunkyak oh. about Seiri and uh, Gusungjun starting one of his good villain monologues. I love it because he's uh, pretty adept at gaslighting her, but completely underestimates how devoted she is to Rijunkyak. Also underestimates literally everybody in the whole world. At least he's consistent. Yeah. yeah, it's one of those things where he's just not the real villain for sure. And you can't tell how much of a villain he is. Like, you don't really appreciate him in these episodes because he's being a huge jag. But, but I did. Okay, I turned it around. Episode 8, when he starts giving the monologue of don't walk out that door, that was one of the best villain monologues I've seen in a minute. Gu Sung Jun showed up. 
Oh my god, I was like shaking. That was so like terrifying on a psychological manipulation kind of level. He that he was very very good at cuz he did the first monologue and it was good and it was the same gist, but it was nowhere near the level of picture how ruined his life already is. Mhm. And if you walk out there What's your end game? You have none. And, like, he definitely, very next day, goes back to being the villain that gets punched by the real villain. He is not the real villain. But he showed up. He did so much better these episodes. I was so proud of him. I was impressed. Yeah. No, he was amazing. And Seo Dan was also very, very, uh... It's one of those things where I do kind of resent that she's just, like, the classic spurned lover villain, you know? Who just wants to get her way more than anything instead of, like, I don't know. Everyone else is a little bit more of a surprising villain. Like, you've got the weenie baby who's surprisingly good at emotional manipulation. Mm -hmm. And you've got the power-hungry master manipulator. Yeah, like, uh, has a lot more power in all of these situations than anyone is entirely comfortable with. And then you've got the very, very classic, like, person of the love triangle who's just hurt that she can't have the person she wants and is stopping at nothing to try and make that happen anyway. And it's... I don't know. I actually... I really like Dan's character. I think that she's great, And I don't even necessarily wish bad things on her, because she's not, like, an actual full-fledged villain, you know? I kind of want great things for her. I just want them to not involve running to daddy and telling him what's going on. Yeah, I'm not sure how that scene's gonna go, but I really like her so far. I think they're doing such a, like, delicate thing, trying to be like, she's a woman scorned, she wants her fiancé back, she wants this control, but also she's trying to figure out how much she actually cares, where she's like, I don't actually love this man, do I want him to be protected, do I want him to pay for, like, breaking, trying to break off our engagement, like, what do I want out of this? And she's constantly struggling with, yeah, how she feels and what she wants. And you can't tell what she wants because she can't tell what she wants. So I'm into it. I'm fine with it. I think it's a really interesting internal struggle that she's constantly going through. Yeah, I do think it does add a lot of interest that I think that she wants Ri Jun-hyuk, but I don't think that she loves Ri Jun-hyuk. Yeah. And I think that like you said, she's very aware of that. It's one of those things where you want to want them because it would just make everything so much easier if you could just be with this one person. Yeah. That your life has been set up with them anyway. You may as well try and make the best of the situation. They did a whole monologue about it where she's like, listen, like, we're going to be married and it's going to be a lot easier if we make an effort for each other. And at the time, he agreed and she was kind of getting what she wanted and needed out of the relationship and got, I mean, can we really blame her for wanting him? He's the perfect person. (laughs) He's very, very good and it's understandable. I mean, it's understandable to pursue happiness in any arranged marriage but it's i mean look at him he's a nice looking dude he's very good looking he's a very honorable dude Mm -hmm. everyone's pretty aware of the fact that he just is good 
Like, he's a good person. And then he's also maybe the best person looking person that's ever walked the earth. So, so between the points. Yeah. Between the two, it's like, I get it. I am not mad at her for wanting him. But also interesting to watch her, yeah, kind of struggle with what amount of control she wants over him, what she wants from him. Yeah. I'm kind of hoping she just uh, falls in love with Jaboy Weenie Baby. I can't remember his name. I can remember so many names, but not his. Gusung Jun. Gusung Jung. He just needs his own love storyline because he had this line when he's eating with uh, Sodan and he says, I wasn't in love with the person I was arranged to marry until we broke it off. And now I'm in love with her. And you're like, oh, okay, I, I figured out pretty quickly who that is. Just not yeah. take a mastermind to uh, see that he's talking about Siri. But how frustrating is that? Please do not, sir. You are not in love with her. I don't know where this is coming from. And you need to stop. I guess I just thought he would be a simpler character. And I was frustrated that they added the element that he actually quote-unquote likes Seiri. Yeah, I think it would have added a little bit more interest to his character if it actually came out not so much that he was interested in her romantically, like, not that he wanted her, but that he struggled with, like, the internal decision of trying to decide if he was a bad enough person to let her die so that he could get what he wants, or if, if he's just not that person in the end. I think that there's a lot of interest in a character who doesn't have romantic motivations. Don't get me wrong, definitely super obsessed with the romantic motivations of our two leads. I want them to be together so much their chemistry is almost unmatched in any other K-drama I can think of. <laughs> there are a couple that come pretty close, and so it's hard to say definitively between, like, a couple of different K-dramas, but I am really rooting for this couple. I love them so much. I don't feel like... <sighs> I don't feel like we're going to get a happy ending. I'm very nervous. Anyway, that aside, I think that there's a lot of, yeah, like character interest in a character who does things for people, even though they're not in love with them. Or like, I think it would be an interesting aspect to add to like, kind of a, I guess it, it's not so much he's like a villain or even necessarily a sub villain. Cause I do think that it'll come out like at the end that he and Siodan, who both kind of, are not the best people. I think it'll come out to just show that they're people in the end anyway. Like, they weren't, they didn't have a grandmaster plan to ruin anyone. They weren't the guy running around with a gun saying that he just wants the power to kill anyone he can, or like, <laughs> feels like it, or whatever. But like, I just wanted to see more like him being conflicted over Seri, not because he's in love with her, but because he isn't a monster. Yeah, that's a really interesting point. Like a humanitarian struggle rather than a romantic struggle. Yeah. I see that. But it's fine. We're fine. He gets all these cool monologues because maybe he's a little bit in love with her. And I'm down for these monologues. I don't know if I can say it enough. I've already done that. I've said it too many times, and I'll say it too many times more. <laughs> I love his monologues. They're very good. He's, they're very good monologues. They drive home some points. Like, we all... I think we all got almost as distracted as Seri and Jianhyuk 
in the love, and we did kind of forget that she is going to get him killed, and she is ruining his very delicately built life in a extremely communist society where uh, you either have lots of things or you have absolutely nothing. <laughs> oh no! This, show? <laughs> this is very stressful. I did notice that I'm having like an actual physical reaction to this drama. My heart, when I'm watching it, is so far wedged into my throat that I actually start to feel nauseous. Oh no! Because that's how high the anxiety is when I'm watching this show. That's worrisome. I hope oh, God we I can figure it. that out. <laughs> you love it. I love it. It hurts so good. <laughs> I worry about it. But I get it. I'm there as well. It is hard to watch. I had to watch it late last night because I knew we were recording this morning and I hadn't done my watching because I've been distracted with a Chinese drama all week. And I had to watch it up until like 1am and then I was like, you gotta go to sleep. Just like watch the last half in the morning. And I was so stressed. It took like an hour to fall asleep because this show... Just bi- so like every scene is so stressful. I think I left off when they were stuck in a snowstorm, which is supposed to be one of the most romantic tropes. Like, that is a trope I am here for. Stuck in a snowstorm? Yes. But they have all these surrounding scenes where every other character is about to rain down upon them. Yeah, like, waiting for them at every corner. Like, don't go home because home is bad. And don't go to your parents because your parents is bad. And don't go back to the place that you were before that was sort of a safe house because also bad. Also bad. I think it's when Dan meets Jung Hyuk's dad and they're about Mm -hmm. to talk. It's when all of our good boys are talking to Dan's mom and uh, they're about to spill the beans. It's when... (laughs) Uh, our real villain, Jo Chul Gong, is doing all these freaking things in the background that he's like the rising sun and the setting sun. And I, I think the setting sun is Ri Jung Hyuk's dad. So he's making all these deals with the, the rising sun who's like gonna take over and be the new director. And he's like, so am I good to just like run wild and do whatever I want? And this new director is like, if you bring me Seri's head like on a platter freaking for sure do whatever you want that's very stressful yep that's a lot of power to give the man who said all he wants is the power to kill whoever he wants please like three minutes ago please do not support this man anymore he's a villain stop giving him stuff um so how can i even enjoy this romantic snowstorm when all of those things are happening I cannot. Yeah, I guess you can't. I think the snowstorm was also hard because it was directly following, is it, sorry, Seung Jun, his monologue? Uh, yes. You nailed it. Nice. Killed it. It was directly following his monologue that so deeply affected Seri that she can't even really get into the fact that they are, like, alone maybe for the last time ever sitting in a school, which, like, obviously not the most romantic setting, but, uh, she's pretty preoccupied with being standoffish. Like, obviously, he doesn't care. She's safe. That's all he wanted. It's super beautiful. But also, yeah, she's just, like, not in the headspace for it. Yeah, yeah. I think she does finally give her reason for her big breakup speech, which was nice. I think he deserved that. I was pretty pissed at her about that speech and i understand like it's a trope that i'll protect you by breaking up with you 
scene is a trope that we see in a lot of dramas. And as we've said, everything is very high stakes here. So it's super understandable that they made that part of this drama. But I was like, Seiri, you're breaking my heart. I don't know how to forgive you. And then two minutes later, they were like, no, it's cool. They're going to spend the night together. You can forgive her. She gets a little bit of a chance to explain herself. Which yeah, is I nice. was glad they didn't drag that out too long, that they gave us not too long to be very stressed about her monologue where she breaks his heart. They are very good at about not making us wait for them to at least slightly make up, even if it doesn't change like what they said. They do a great job of, um, yeah, like you said, giving the characters a chance to explain themselves to each other in a way that makes a lot of sense. And... M- doesn't change the hurt feelings, but it, it at least makes them sensible and not hurtful only. Yeah. Like, we got our first kiss in these episodes, and I can't believe that we... Uh, our first real kiss. There was the fake kiss on the boat. Um, oh, but uh, it was directly following maybe the meanest shit anyone could say to someone who's trapped in another country, where it's like, why didn't you just go... Are you just, when will you start feeling sorry for how much of a huge ass burden you are? Uh, ouch. Oh my god, that hurts so much. Yeah, even I was devastated. I felt small, like I had been talked to that way, and I had not. It was Siri. But we were, we were part of her in that moment. Mm-hmm. And Ri Jong-hyuk never talks to anybody like that. I think that's part of why it was so brutal as well is he does not get angry like that Mm -mm. he's the king of saying it's fine everything's fine don't worry about it so to see him break is like yeah oh sir i feel like i've done something wrong by staying and saving your life and then mere moments later he finds out that she stayed very specifically to give her blood to him so that he would not die on a hospital bed. And he immediately feels like the f- biggest fucking cad in the entire world. Which he and is. Yeah, like, that's that was needed. But at least he's also a big enough person to be like, you know what I should do? Go out and apologize. I need to go find her and apologize. Yeah, it would have been really easy to be like, I don't know, bummed? Like... Yeah, I would have died, but literally the only thing I'm living for right now is for her to get home safely. So if I had died for her to get home safely, maybe that would have been worth it. I had decided that would be worth it. So for her to ruin- It's a risk I took. Yeah, it's a risk I took. So for her to ruin that, I stand by my words. Like, she's put us through a lot, but it would have been worth it had she gotten home and he could have like basked in that like that poutiness that pettiness almost mm-hmm. and it would have been understandable it's nice that he's the type of person that's like life is sacred and precious and i am grateful for it and if it means that i get to live another day even if it's hard i should apologize for what i said to the person who saved me yeah and who i I'm suspecting I actually love quite a bit. Yeah. So. 
ouch, but here we go. And so they go and make out in front of a hospital. Which I was so into up until the very moment that the nurse was like, these (laughs) disgusting animals were making out in front of the hospital like this is a brothel. And I was like, what? Like, I know that we were watching as the audience members, but I hate when other people in dramas watch main characters kiss and it was so much worse compounded by the fact that she was so disgusted by his first kiss like please do not talk anymore lady okay and (laughs) regina hawk is panicking like it could not have been that bad please stop talking (laughs) (laughs) it was very romantic regina hawk you did good i don't know what this lady's problem is oh So we had a good first kiss for like a minute until the nurse tried to ruin it all. We'll see. Attempt number three at a first kiss will be the best one yet. I can't wait. (laughs) It's gotta be good. It's gotta be good. (gasps) There was also a little bit of a romantic moment where she sleeps in his hospital bed. And I thought it was going to be like peak romance, peak cuddling. Absolutely not. No, it will just be vaguely uncomfortable. What is the point of this scene? I don't understand why he has to sleep. For one thing, he's sleeping on the side that he was shot in. I think he has to sleep the other way. Could you just switch? Could it, could you guys just trade? Tradesies? Like, like if you want your bed, just her. sides. Just like switch yeah. sides. Or sleep on the side that isn't in immense pain. Hold her, I guess. I don't know. I know that's weird for you. You're pretty repressed, clearly. <laughs> It's what we all thought was going to happen, and I don't understand why you're making it so awful to watch this scene. He can't even sleep. He just, like, gets up and leaves in the middle of the night. Yeah. Poor shot young man. It's fine, I guess. Uh, what, they are very good in this drama about giving us what we think is peak romance, just like incredibly sweet moments, and then making the, it the worst thing that they possibly can, because <laughs> the little heart patch that she sewed onto his uniform was so darling and so sweet, and then immediately Sodan <laughs> sees it. it. And I was just like, you fucking fools. Why would you do a heart patch? Why would you what do about a heart that? patch? He wears the uniform every single day around every single person. Why? What in your mind made that feel like a good idea? Where did you even get that? Put that away. This is not the time. Use like a patch from the end of the sleeve or something. I don't know. I don't know. Can you sew the heart on the inside so that from the outside it looks like nothing? And on the inside it looks like a heart? That's a new idea. I just came up with that. That's actually a really good idea. And then don't fold the shirt heart out. Why did that have to happen? It's so cute and I'm so uncomfortable. Yeah. (sighs) You can't wear that to work, homegirl. You just ruined his outfit. But okay, I guess you're a fashionista. That's fine. (laughs) Um, one scene that I didn't think would be romantic, but ended up being romantic, was him playing the piano in the Alps. (sighs) Whoa, that wrecked me. I immediately found the soundtrack right after they played that song. Um... I'm not, like, a classical music expert. I listen to a few classical songs. They're pretty popularized classical songs that I like pretty well. Um, he's in his, the character Reed Johnny Huck is 
he plays classical piano music. The song he composed for his brother is so beautiful and so heartbreaking. And then, yeah, they went ahead and put him on a dock in the Alps near a lake and it started snowing. What are we doing? How? Who's manufacturing the perfect scenario? <laughs> What's happening here? It's almost... It's a lot like the paragliding scene where they paraglide together where it's so over the top that it's almost not gonna work. But somehow this drama makes it work. I was so into it. I was choked up. Oh, for sure. I did. I teared up for sure. I cried at that part because the song was beautiful and you know the reason that she's there. And you know the moment that changes, and there's just, yeah, it's just unbelievably beautiful. And it's this song that he composed for his brother, who he just found out passed away, and it's like the last time that he's ever going to play piano because he's so sad. I can't. You can't. That's really nice. That's really nice. This K-drama is messing me up. (laughs) It's so extra, and I love it, and I'm stressed out. Constantly. Constantly. I'm crying all the time. Um, that scene and the scene where the wiretapper finally explains to his wife the entire situation. That's a monologue that I was here for. Both those scenes messed me up. Cause I, I just love a good relationship. Welcome to the podcast. Like, hello, if you're new <laughs> here. I love romance. I love good relationships. It is nice to see this couple who's been married for a while, who has a kid together, not presented in the typical, like, married without romance kind of way. And I think peak romance is good communication. I know I'm old. Yes. But (laughs) for real, though, the most I think that that's such a good thing to start circulating, though, is that romance is good communication. Like when you talk to each other about things that are hurting you and things that you need to get off your chest and the other person supports you and vice versa. It's beautiful. And they have a really lovely, sweet marriage. And I hurt so much for him. Yeah, but they could have had a really lovely, sweet marriage where he keeps sneaking out of the house at night and crying by himself. And I love that that was a progression in their relationship that was completely unexpected, something that we definitely could have lived without. But it was so precious that he had to connect with her and was like, this is what's going to make my life worth living is connecting with you and our son and saying what's in my heart and I don't know how to keep going right now and I need your help. Yeah. You know what's very stressful about this K-drama is that I don't know how everyone is going to get the happy ending I want for them. There will be sacrifices. Yeah, because they're still in North Korea, which I think... Though they're giving us, like, different pictures of what that means and that there's, like, a lot of happiness within the families and people really care about each other and that's beautiful, at the end of the day, they do really drive home the point that anyone can pretty much be killed for anything legally at any time. Yeah. I feel like our real villain, Jo Chol Gong, has made the point far too many times that the wiretapper has a nice family and that can be taken away at any moment. Yep. What a smart young boy he has. Wouldn't it be a shame if that smart young boy didn't exist anymore? Oh, please don't talk anymore, sir. 
We were just having fun in the village with like our little test score scene. Yeah. It's hard to say. Test score. Test score scene. Test score scene. Adorable. Look at this smart boy. He was so cute and proud. <laughs> and he deserved it. And his cute mom was like, shh, no, you have to be quiet. I will praise you at home. I don't want you to get beat up any more than you already are. <laughs> She's like, listen, listen, that's great. Just shut up. <laughs> Just shut up. This is a rough society we live in. You have to keep it on the down low. So, um, what's up? Oh, I was actually doing a quick heel turn because thinking about the monologue that we talked about a minute ago, I started thinking about the watch again. Can we talk about the watch? We can talk about the watch. I'm curious. So we all know that now that Johnny Hook would recognize the watch. I'm curious how that's the linchpin in the whole like murder thing with his brother like what it would prove or like because at one point um the bad guy was just like we're finished yeah if reed johnny hawk ever gets a hold of that watch do you know where it went and the wiretapper was like i don't know it was such a big moment very intense yeah and now and that watch almost made it to reed john hawk but what would it have done? Yeah, I'm very curious about how that's, that's like, the nail in the coffin for the master plan. I thought we were going to find out. I feel like this drama has so consistently been, like, every clue requires ten more steps before getting solved. So I thought he was going to get the watch, and that would, like, start the ball rolling to get Cho-Cho-Gang cornered. Where, like, he wants to find Seri... When she goes missing, and so he goes to that, like, electrician, and the electrician's like, here's the different outposts that we have, and we can, like, help you track this secret hideout by finding the electricity use, and I'm like, dang, that's really cool, bro. Yeah. And then Reed Young Hack has to do it himself. This drama's yeah. never, like, you just talk to the electricity guy, and he'll tell you the coordinates. Yeah, no, it's like... He'll tell you where the electric pole is that probably goes to the place you're looking for, but you gotta walk through the woods for like a day. For like good a luck. day. Hope you wore your very best coat. Hope you wore some good boots, bro. Get out mm -hmm. there. So, I just don't, I feel like that'll happen with the watch, and I don't see how it's such a big deal. Yeah, maybe there's a note in there. <laughs> But even if it is, it feels like step one, you know? Yeah. And I'm surprised that he episode eight ended with him not getting the watch and being like, oh, this is step one. Yeah, because I feel like if they put this off until the very end, they're not going to have enough time to get through all the steps of the scavenger hunt of the murder. The yeah. murder hunt. You're taking too long. I don't also, understand. at this point, I just feel like Reed Jun-hyuk has used up all of the favors in his arsenal. So quickly. He has a lot of favors just, like, on tap, which is dope. It's That's what happens when you're, like, a great person born into a nice family that is high up on the power chain. Like, you, if you're a nice person that does things for people and already you're, you kind of got the silver spoon, you're gonna do well. You're gonna do super, super well. He is calling in literally every favor. And Jo Cho-gang, his opponent, is currying more favors as we go along. So he's also calling in favors, but more than that, he's uh, establishing his position of power. So it feels like Jo Cho-gang is getting 
better and better at this while Ri Jung-hyuk is burning the candle at both ends. Constantly, yes. I'm very concerned. Does anybody have a plan? Because also, what's the plan anymore? I don't want Seiri to leave North Korea now. Yeah, okay, so what are we supposed to want here? Because <laughs> either she leaves and she's safe, or she stays and they both just have to constantly be using up all of Ri Jun-hyuk's favors constantly forever, trying to stay safe. This K-drama is exquisite torture, because I can't even envision- I can't even envision what the happy ending is right now, honestly. And But it- so help me God, if this ending is like Romeo and Juliet- I will not. I cannot. I'm so <laughs> invested. I cannot remember the last time I was this invested in a gay drama. It's been a minute, and I was not prepared to be this invested. Uh, I, we went into this like we've gone into all of the other incredible gay dramas that we watched, and I never expected to care so much. Yeah, usually other incredible gay dramas are a little more lighthearted. This one's got me on edge. All the time, I'm so stressed. I can't even describe it. I'm just so stressed. And like you said, there's no end in sight. The only ending I'd be happy with is reunification. And I don't know what that looks like. I don't think that's going to be the end. Because even though it's the only ending that I'd be happy with, I think literally no other viewer would be happy with it. <laughs> like, what yeah. a cheap way to end. Just be like, happily ever after. I'd be on your side, too. I think even the writer is like, that's pretty far-fetched. I don't know if we can solve the differences between North and South Korea and reunify in 16 episodes that's mostly focused on the romance of this low-level captain and <laughs> the woman that comes in on the tornado. Yeah. But, like, what a ride that would be. <laughs> what a ride that would be. I mean, we're only halfway through, so maybe it'll start going on more and more in the background. Yeah. Eight more episodes to reunification. Eight the more countdown episodes is on. to reunification. <laughs> we can do this. But, yeah. What happens? Because even if he goes with her, will I be happy? Like, yes. Absolutely, I'll be so happy if he somehow goes to South Korea with her. But what about all our good boys? What about Sodan? She's supposed to be happy too. We want her to be happy. We yeah. want Seung Jun to be happy-ish, you know, like mid-level happy, mid -level. like not not in danger necessarily. Yeah, all of our side characters, we're okay with them being happy. And it seems like not all of them are going to be happy if they stay in North Korea I should never have watched this show. Yeah, I'm starting to suspect that as well. I didn't know there was such thing as a show being too good, but now I feel like that's true. There's such thing as a show being too good, because if it's as good as this, then it breaks you down. It just, uh, you know, chips away at your ability to cope with real life, because you're too busy. You're too busy living that and coping with that drama life. And then you exit it and you're like, oh no, this is bad too. Oh no, the world outside is also bad. I'm going to go back to North Korea now. Why is that the safest place for me? Maybe that's why I'm stressed. Maybe we're stressed because there's no escape from the <laughs> drama. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> I don't think so. We're going to think happy thoughts. Didn't you start therapy? Are you supposed to be saying um, these things when you started therapy? <laughs> I started it, but I'm terrible at sticking with it, because it's all online, and it goes to, to whatever my schedule is. Respond when you want, they said, and I was like, okay, I won't. Oh, no, yeah. 
<laughs> Literally just to help yourself. I know. I thought I was doing something for myself. I paid the fees and everything. Yeah, it was it's really expensive. expensive. <laughs> Why would you not do it? Get out of here. Ugh, I don't know. Um, yeah. Maybe I'll just swipe left on this therapist and keep going until something feels right. Mm, that's a good idea. Find something that works for you. Yeah. Because right now we're living in drama land and it's far too stressful and it's hard to not live in drama land when the outside world is also stressful. And there have to be coping mechanisms out there. Yeah, I'll do it if, I don't know, did you want to start it? Accountability buddies for therapy. Yeah, were you going to say, I'll do it if you do it? <laughs> yeah, and then I was like, don't make her pay for therapy. Like, that's her <laughs> choice. Damn. Well, I really should. I've been de-stressing lately by running again, and that's helped a lot. But, you know, it doesn't really solve my problem. It's kind of like watching dramas. It's a little bit just escapism. Just putting it off a little bit longer. Yeah. That's pretty much how I cope with everything. <laughs> All right. I'll plan on starting therapy, and I'll text you, and then you can text your therapist. Okay. And then I'll text you as soon as I've texted my therapist, and you can text yours. And Yeah. That's Accountability how- buddies. Yeah, we'll keep each other in therapy. Yeah. That'll be a good idea. This would be a really good time to plug a sponsor if any therapists want to sponsor us. Yeah, we don't have a sponsor right now for any kind of therapy, but if you want to know what we use, DM us or something, however that works. Uh, Happy to chat, Uh, even though I'm the worst about holding myself accountable for my own mental health, I will always encourage everyone who feels like they're struggling to talk to a professional and make sure that they feel like their happiest, healthiest self, or at least that they're working to get there. Yeah, because it's important. It's, like we said, it's hard to do it for yourself. So if we need to be your accountability buddies, we absolutely will be, because it's so much easier to look from the outside and say, hey, you're important, and this should be addressed. And we want you to be the happiest, healthiest you could be. So yeah, if you if you want us to be your accountability buddies, we absolutely will. Hit us up. Yeah. And if you just want to talk about Korean dramas, that's okay too. That's what we do this for. We've got a couple places to do that. Uh, we've got our email. I We love to get emails there because usually they're longer in length and I get really excited and I love to read them. It's playonkpodcast at gmail.com. You can hit us up on Twitter with something short or DM us on Twitter with something longer if you'd like. We are at playonk. We have our website where you can sign up for our newsletter where we announce when we're starting a new drama. You can access episodes there and comment on them there. And you can also find a link to our Patreon. Our website is playonk.com. And then our direct Patreon is patreon.com slash playonk. And we would love your support there. Go to playonk.com or patreon.com slash playonk to find all of our bonus content, like bonus episodes. We did a really neat bonus episode about a month ago that was super fun and super funny. We have blog posts on shows that didn't make it to the podcast, but we really, really enjoyed watching, so we made blogs about them. And now we have watch parties, where we watch shows together through Netflix's Chrome extension. And oh my god, they're so much fun. I love our watch parties with my whole heart. We've started doing them with more frequency for the time being, at least. So like, if you're able to, now's a good time to jump on that bandwagon, because uh, we all stay at home, so we're all always ready 
for a uh, Korean drama watch party, and um, our viewers, our viewers, our listeners are the literal funniest people. I spend the whole time, like, laughing and crying, because drama, but also (laughs) very funny jokes. Just the funny jokes. Oh my god, they're so good. So, yeah, find us on Patreon and join us for our next watch party. We would absolutely love to have you there. Uh, Last, we are on so many streaming platforms, like iTunes and Spotify and Stitcher and Blueberry. And if you find us on any one of those and you can and you'd like to, please give us a rating and review. It would mean so much to us and it would help other people find our podcast. Yes. Um, we want to thank James Hevel for our beautiful theme song. He's probably singing us out right now. We love our theme song and we love you, James. Thank you, James. We love it and we love you and we love you all for listening. We will see you next week for episodes 9 and 10 of Crash Landing on You. Okay, bye. Okay, bye.